0: Um, thank you, Kirsten. Hey, Jesse, you were rolling, right? Was that a yes? yes. Alright. I can't see you, so I need to be able to hear you. Because uh, I want to I want to get a couple of testimonies real quick. So this is going to lead into Mark's message. So, we are doing a fasting chain. For those of you that are not aware of this, for those of you are, I want to remind you. Uh, Jesus said that many sicknesses and diseases and break, strongholds do not... Happen. You don't, don't get healed. You don't get breakthroughs without fasting. It's a spiritual punch in Satan's face. Alright? That's what it is. the way I like to see it. And it is also an intimacy with God. So you get to do that. You get to climb up into the Father's lap through fasting and prayer. And you also get to give an elbow into the devil's face. It's a whole other level of spiritual warfare and, and spiritual power. And so, I want to ask you to climb on the website. You can do it right now while I'm talking, sometime during the service. Just go on our website. The first little banner you see says Fasting and Prayer. Click on that. It takes you to our prayer page. There'll be a place that says Sign Up. Click on Sign Up, and it takes you to our calendar. And every month, we are doing a fasting chain. And that is instead of us just fasting for like 10 days at the beginning of the year, we're fasting all year long. And the way we do it is you just put your name on the calendar somewhere. So, like, I'm fasting on Mondays. I I think I saw some others are fasting on Wednesdays. Some others are fasting on on Thursdays. And people are just signing up for um, for a consistency in fasting. You can just miss, like, a meal a week or two meals a week, maybe a day a week. So it's not like an extended fast. And so we have a prayer. So somebody's always fasting in our church. And I'm telling you, it's going to make huge differences. I'm going to tell you two right now. One... And that we're fasting for intimacy with God, increase of God's kingdom in our lives. That's everything that God does to bless us, and ingathering of those who are far from God to come to His Son Jesus. Everybody, say intimacy, yes. increase, yes. ingathering. Yes. This is what we're fasting for, and we're starting to see things we weren't seeing before. For example, we've been living in Ramona for about eight years now. My Catholic neighbor, I was raised Catholic, she's Catholic, and we've had a couple conversations, and it's like, ah. Eh. Well, I saw her this week and she was in her driveway and we got to talking a little bit. And I just went ahead and asked her, you know, I said, you know, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven in the morning? And she said, "Uh, I don't know. And I said, well, would you like to know? And she looks at me like, who would have that kind of information? And I just shared the free gifts of salvation, which she had never heard before. And led her to the Lord right there in her driveway. And she said this to me. I said, what are you feeling right now? I always like to ask that question. What are you feeling right now? And she said, like, I'll never be alone again. And I said, do you know when I gave my life to Christ at 19 years old, I was standing in my kitchen doing the dishes, and it was just a couple months after I gave my life to Christ, and I had this realization. I will never be alone again. And she said, you've got to be kidding me. She goes, i got chills going down my legs right now. I was like... <laughs> I said, that would be the Holy Spirit. And then I got another fasting report, and I'm going to ask Christina to come up real quick. And she's also going to kick off our 15-second testimonies this week, which is equipping the body of Christ to be able to give your testimony of how Christ has changed your life in 15 seconds. But first, she's going to give you a fasting testimony uh, to talk about the power of fasting. Go ahead.
1: So my mom's bit was in the hospital for two weeks. She had a GI bleed. She already had congestive heart failure and diabetes but uh, GI bleed, and then she got a, a respiratory virus that's called RSV on top of it.
0: So, Christina's a nurse, so she knows what she's talking about, all right?
1: So, she was really sick, and it, of course, I, it happened right around the time that I'm going to go visit my biological father and meet my, you know, five brothers and sisters and my biological father. Where I'm going to drive up, you know, 10 hours to go meet them, and, and it happens right before that, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I... I I got, you know, what do I do? Do I go visit my mom or, you know, go meet my biological father? But my mom insisted that I go. She wow. said, I want you to go meet your your father. So I went ahead and went up there and met him. And Anyway, during the time that I was about to meet him, she just got sicker. She got out of the hospital for like one day, and then she was just worse. And her heart was failing. Her whole body was backing up with fluid. She She was fevers and chills and... And then she had a GI bleed on top of it, and she lost, like, so much blood, like four pints of blood. Um, Anyway, and I just thought, why so many things? Like, I really thought, it's got to be a spiritual attack, you know, Mm. because it's the timing. Anyway, the whole time she was was in the hospital, I was up in Northern California, and I was just praying and praying. I was praying, like, every day, and I was, you know, I was just intercessing, Mm -hmm. you know. But she just, she was not getting better. And then um, I came back home, and I was thinking, you know, maybe I should go there. And she even said, "I I want to die. I, mm. I just I can't I can't be in the hospital anymore. I just want to go home and die." And I was like, "Mom, please don't give up. You know, I mm. think you can get through this." And but I really wasn't sure if she would. She would. I, you know, I thought this is the end. Um, her heart isn't strong enough to handle all this, and and she won't like go on life support or anything. So she was. She was thinking she's going to just go home and, and die. And I just thought, what the burden my brother's going to face and this and that. And anyway, so I, Sunday I came to church and you talked about prayer and fasting. And I was like, duh, why haven't I done that? Mm. Like, so that day I went home and um, I fasted that day. And, I, you know, I took that time aside that I was going to eat and I prayed. And, and then in the evening everybody left because, you know, it's no fun to be around the faster. So they all went out to dinner. <laughs> So I stayed home and I was just praying and worshiping and, fast, you know, I was just, like, intercessing and I was just crying out to God. And, and my prayer was, like, Lord, if it's time for her to go, just just take her. Don't, like, let her, you know, die slowly. But, it, you know, and it let me know so I can just go be there, you know. And I was just praying and praying and praying. And, um, and then the next morning, I, I just wanted to fast for 24 hours. So I was going to just fast through breakfast and then... I was going to eat lunch, so I went to work, and and during my break time I prayed, and and then I kept calling her, you know, like every single day. Well, Monday morning she was like, you know, I feel a little bit better.
0: And you fasted Sunday to Monday.
1: Yeah, and I was like, really? Um, like, you know, so I was all excited, and and then I, you know, I just continued to pray, and um, and then Monday night she's like. Wow, I'm feeling really better. I'm, I am feeling better. Praise I'm going to see. The so the Lord. next day, she said she was feeling better. And then she went home from the hospital on Wednesday. <laughs> and then this morning, she's out to breakfast with my brother. Eating Come lunch, on! You know?
2: Come on!
1: So I was That's awesome! Like, oh. It's not the end. It's not that the end. That
0: is awesome. The so, only and, difference and was then, you added fasting to your praying.
1: Yep. And the fluid went off her body and no more fevers. Oh, that's beautiful. So, praise God.
0: That is beautiful. I know. That is beautiful. So happy. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. See, that's how we Thank partner with Heaven on Earth.
1: And then everybody's been praying, too. So, that...
0: Yeah. That's how we partner with Heaven on Earth. Okay. So, we want to be able to, when we have a moment in an elevator or a grocery line or somebody at work or school... Uh, a neighbor or somebody at school to be able to just real quickly tell them what you're like before Christ, when you met Christ and what it's like after. And you got to do this in like 15 seconds so that we understand how you can just whip that out and share that. So you go.
1: So before I was a Christian, I just thought to myself, if I just have a good husband, I know I'll be happy. If I just have a house, I know I'm going to be happy. If I just have children and a career and all these things, I know I'm going to be happy. And. I wasn't happy. I had everything. I had had it all. And um, I was just empty inside and full of anxiety and, and just, ugh. Anyway, I came to the gathering place. I gave my life to Jesus. And the closer I got to Jesus and the more I walked with God, that empty feeling that I had, just as, I like, closer I got, it just went away. And God just transformed me. No more anxiety. And, um... I'm fulfilled and full of joy.
0: Amen. Amen. I think I forgot to release the children and the middle schools. The children and the middle school, you're out. Sorry about that. Uh, middle school teachers and children's workers, I hope you still love me and forgive me. And Mark's getting very nervous because he gets to like about three minutes to preach now. So it really has to be 15 seconds. Here we go. Because
3: the 10 minute version is more interesting. But the 15 second version was, was raised a Christian. Um, really there you go pursuit of truth became agnostic and then through my science degree realized that there was a purposeful creator and I couldn't deny that um, and then looked into the history of Jesus, realized he was of God and then had no idea what that had to do with me and was still full of existential anxiety and then through my dad dying um, my dad was was a like, born again Christian, loved Jesus and I just saw that our God was a personal God and that He loved us. Um, all these miracles and all these, these things around His death.
0: Um, wow.
3: These miracles, these breakthroughs that happened. And wow. And I realized that I wanted that and we never have to um, walk through anything by ourselves.
0: See, what well, you just said was so powerful. You found God through science. Yes. I love it! Isn't that a great testimony? Amen! Let's go, Peter! These are, see, these are powerful arrows that you can shoot. And bring somebody to the Lord. Peter, go.
2: I 17, I was about as hard and as stiff-necked and hard-hearted as you could fathom. I knew it all. If you rubbed up against me, you would be scraped or scratched or bristled because I have a strong opinion and I was judgmental. All these things worked really well for me in the military However, even in the darkest places, God's light shines and person after person, even in the military, would tell me about Christ, tell me about Christ. And after about six years of that, I finally realized, completely empty and frustrated with myself, not being able to keep friends, maintain relationships, um, I said, wow, I need this. And ever since then, it's been a journey of being softened, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, sculpted, shaped, recrafted. And, uh, and enough, look and look
0: at you now. Look
2: at that. And you know, I, I, I just keep getting softer. Hopefully, and it makes me good for my family and allows me to even have my wife, who would have not married a hard-hearted fellow. So I, I aspire to continue to get softer. Someday I'll be as soft as marshmallow as Mark.
0: Maybe, maybe. But but in the we, but in the meantime, when I did this, your wife gave you a cat call. So I think you're doing good. Here we go. When you say 15 seconds, if you're timing, just understand, it's a, it's a short testimony. That's the idea. Here we go.
3: Hi, I'm Janine. Um, there was a time in my life when I felt just hopeless and lonely. And um, at the age of 16, I met the Lord. And ever since then, um, he has been with me and he has given me just love and endless blessings. And um, it hasn't always been easy, but it's been a journey. And um, I'm just so grateful that he has been a part of my life ever
0: since. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and bringing up the rear is Christopher Larkin. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: Hello.
4: Uh, my testimony is actually about work. How many of you work? Okay. All right. So I, I was going through some persecution at work and my co workers were noticing it. And I know that sometimes shining the light, you get persecuted. And so the Bible says in Romans 12, to bless those who are persecuting you. And I was like, why would I do that? But I decided to pray for those who were persecuting me. And within two weeks of praying every day, God removed those persecuting me and replaced them with God-loving people who cared for me and wanted to see me grow. And so I just know that was God's faithfulness for me. And I just, I know that same thing can happen to you.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. Okay, so we're in a series called Loving God Back. It ends today, but loving God back doesn't end today. I just want to make that clear. All right? And this leg of it said, the way we love God back is we love His Son, Jesus. We love one another. And then we love the world with the love of God, those who are far from God. And so this month we've been doing. No place left. Well, we love the world with the good news of Christ until there's no place left? And Mark is going to close out this series. So Mark Coppersmith, come on. I'm jealous
5: of uh, John getting to do all these testimonies. So I'm bringing my own testimony crew. Right, the
0: mic's hot. You pick it up. Don't push you business. Great. Okay.
5: All right, we're talking about power evangelism. We're talking about people becoming uh, Christians because of a drive-by encounter with the Holy Spirit. And they can take all sorts of forms. But um, Kayla has an interesting story to tell that I got to be a part of. And uh, it's an ongoing story that's uh, unfolding as recently as this weekend. So why don't you tell them what happened?
6: Okay, first of all, can you guys hear me? Okay, cool. So I have this friend, and her name is Christine, and basically she's had no exposure to God. Like, no good encounters, no bad encounters. She just didn't know God at all. And so I kind of, like, she started having these questions of, like, what happens after death. And I said, well, we have this family friend, and he can answer all of your questions. So we sat down with Mark. He
5: wasn't available, so I filled I in.
6: Yeah. <laughs> we were looking for John, but he was busy um so <laughs>
5: ouch certain parts of this testimony are not the opinions of grace uh of of, uh, of gps they're the opinions of the person that i mistakenly asked to share <laughs> go ahead
6: okay well anyways we sat down with mark and after coming out of it she was super impacted by what he had to say but ultimately she wasn't ready to give her life to christ because she felt like it was just um kind of overwhelming and like this huge responsibility so she walked away and we didn't hear about anything for months and then uh two weeks ago she was approached randomly on campus by this girl who invited her to a bible study and uh she ended up going and she said that like she just felt so much peace and joy going into it and that um she just they were talking about sin and how everyone there they didn't realize they were living in sin until um, they met Christ and she just really related to that on a personal level. and then on Friday, which was a couple of days ago, I guess a bunch of her friends like went out to like different parties and she ended up staying home um, in her dorm reading the Bible. She doesn't even have a Bible she just like went online and started looking up scriptures and that's how she spent her Friday night. So, it's a, it's a work in progress. But.
5: Exactly. It's a process, right? Okay. Thank you. And guys, keep her in mind and let's keep praying for her. Let's.
2: Thank you, Mark. Uh, when I heard Mark was
4: talking about prophetic evangelism, I wanted to tell him about a story that is kind of ironic it, it was targeted at prophetic evangelism, but it, it, the moral of the story is that if you lean into God and you declare what you what you want, he will use you. It just may not be in the exact way that you think, but he is faithful for all those who are willing to be obedient. We had, uh, Donnett and I had been praying for people in healing, as most of you know, that was our, our primary ministry, but I felt like we really need to start getting some more people saved on it, so I went out because... I like instruction manuals, and I read Power Evangelism by Wimber, and I read Prophetic Evangelism by Sean Smith, that I was so ready to go. I just took with me that I am going to go out, and I'm, because I'm, Lest, going Lest,
5: I'm going to thank Les won't leave the house without reading a book first.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was so fired up to go out and get people saved in the kingdom. And the, the church was uh, going to have a little booth at a Penisky, this fair, so Donnan and I signed up, and I was going to go, and all these people would come in the booth, and we'd see healings. And... So I was really excited about it as I was praying, you know, about healing. God showed me a picture of someone with legs being really different proportion, causing back and neck pain. And so I remember walking to the booth saying, Donna, I think we're going to see somebody healed today of, of one of those short legs where they walk and they get all hurt. And she says, why? said, because God showed me a picture of legs that were, were, were wrong, sized. So we, we get to the booth. We do our two and a half hours. One giggly teenager came in. And it was, it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home, and I, and I was really torn up because I thought, this is what I want. I really want to be prophetic evangelism. So I got on my knees, and I prayed, Lord, did I do something wrong? I mean, I was there. I was willing. I went. I, I really had no opportunities. It didn't work out. You know, show me what I'm doing wrong. So that afternoon, one of my daughters said, hey, Dad, there's a church over in the local school that's got, you know, youth worship kind of thing going. I want to go check it out. Would you mind if I went? And I said, No. I said, could I go too? Because I'm kind of feeling lost in the Lord today. I, I need more worship time. So she invited a friend from Rancho Bernardo, a big church in Rancho Bernardo, and they went. And I went with them. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just saying, well, Lord, if there's anyone here that you'd like me to give a prophetic word to, I would be happy to do so. I get a picture of this guy that's in the next aisle. And I get this picture that he's in a white lab coat. And I said, is that him, Lord? Yes, it is. So... After it's over, I tell the girls, I feel like i got a word for a guy. And I pull him aside and I say, hey, sir, I feel like the Lord's got a message for you. Would you mind if I tell you? And he, he wasn't used to that, but he said, okay. So I asked him if he was a doctor or, or some kind of medical scientist. And he said, yeah, I'm a doctor. How would you know that? So, well, you know, now I'm confident. You know, the Lord showed me a picture of you having an argument, a really bad argument with another woman. And now you're feeling really remorseful and you've got a great deal of sadness going on. Is that, is that what's going on? He goes, Wow. He said, yes. He he was a doctor who had flown here with his wife and moved. And uh, she had a great job going, but he couldn't practice because he'd broken his arm and couldn't take the board exams. And they're only given once every year. So he had to skip it because he literally couldn't write. So he was flying back and forth to other states. So they were in arguments all the time. Long story short, I prayed with him. So long that the child care workers brought his kids out to the curb. They're like, what are you guys talking about? (laughs) So we get home, and this girl and my daughter are sitting at the table. We're talking about how they enjoyed the worship music. And she said, why were you talking to that guy? And I said, well, because I felt like the Lord gave me a prophetic word from him. And she said, what is that? And I said, well, that's what, you know, you ask God. So I explained the whole story to her. She goes, wow, I didn't know God still talked to people like that. I said, he does. And I said, you know, it's 8.30 at night. And I said, but what I really thought was going to happen today was God was going to let me pray for somebody who had a bad back because of one leg being shorter than the other. I was certain of that. She goes, oh my gosh. She says, I have that. She says, I have it so bad that I used to miss school because I had such bad neck aches, headaches, and back aches. She says, I would have to go to the chiropractor in the morning before I went in to could go to school. Because one leg is so much shorter than the other. And I said, would you let me pray for you? She absolutely. So she, we got down on the floor and we prayed for her and literally watched like an inch difference between her legs even out. In my kitchen at 9 o'clock at night with someone who had no concept for prophecy or for healing. And I just thought, you know, God, you are so funny. And what I thought I needed was prophetic evangelism. What you said was going to happen... I hung in there until it did, but I had given up on the idea that I must have been wrong. You know that, that wasn't the purpose for my day. And so Thank you.
5: <laughs> what I'm hearing there from Les's story is perseverance and risk. If we're not willing to take risks, we're never going to see the supernatural flowing through our lives, because it's a very rare thing to be completely certain. That you've heard the Lord. That uh, maybe 10% of the time you're really certain I heard the Lord. Most of the time it's some sort of thought that runs through your mind and you think, I wonder why I just thought that. Isn't that interesting? And most of the time we dismiss these little thoughts or mental images or a dream that we had. A lot more of the time than we realize it is Him. He tends to whisper, He doesn't tend to shout. For some reason, he likes risk in our lives. Isn't that interesting? We like certainty and he likes risk. And faith is really spelt R-I-S-K. That's all it is. You see, faith is simply obedience or risk in the face of uncertainty. If things are certain, you exercise no faith because you don't need to. When things are uncertain and you're not sure you really heard from God and you're going to look like an idiot if you're wrong, then there's risk attached and then there's faith when you finally decide to do it. So I'm going to tell you some stories that might inspire you uh, to take some risks. A number of years ago, I got a phone call from a pastor in Houston uh, that I ministered with and at his church a number of times. And he said, I want you to shake up our youth group. And I said, what exactly does that look like? And see, I'm a risk-averse guy myself. So he said, well, I want you to come and teach on prophetic evangelism, and then I want you to take them to the mall uh, and do it. And I thought, I've never done that before. This this is a a real high likelihood of failure and public humiliation. I'll do it. (laughs) No risk, no gain. So out we went and I've got to tell you I I had serious trepidation and there's a family that I always stay with and their their eldest daughter was in a very bad phase of her life. She was cutting herself. Uh, She was um, depressed. She was very uninterested in her parents' faith. But she and I got along great. (laughs) For some reason we just got along great. She would tell me all her doubts and I'd tell her mine and we'd be pathetic together. And... uh, So I was out there staying with them and and, um, it was like a Thursday night and she said, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, well, I'm going to teach your youth group how to hear from the Lord and then we're going to go out to the mall and uh, we're going to pick out strangers and give words to strangers. And she said, wow, that's really interesting. And I said, why don't you come? And she said, oh, no, I have to babysit. Usual excuse. I think she probably lined it up just so that she wouldn't have to come and do this this thing. So I said, look, I really want you there, so um, how much are you going to make babysitting? And she told me, and I said, I'll pay you that to come. And she couldn't resist. She said, well, it won't work because, like, I don't believe any of this. Like, I really don't believe any of this. So it won't work. And I said, no, it'll work. It'll work better because God likes to show off, and he he likes to teach people like you that he's really real. And so I I think you're probably going to going to experience something. So she said, okay, but only if I can be with you while we do it. And I said, all right, we'll, we'll try this thing together. So I taught on it on a Saturday, Friday night and a Saturday morning. And out we went to the food court of the big mall on Saturday afternoon. And I told the kids, look, I just want you to walk around the food court and and here's what happens. It happens to me all the time. Well, not all the time, but a lot. I said, I want you to just let your gaze go from person to person as they're eating or sitting there. And what will happen is the Holy Spirit will kind of lock you on to somebody and you'll just pause and you'll look at them and something will come into your mind. And when that happens, you tell me and we'll see what we should do with it. So she said, all right, I mean, that sounds pretty easy. And in fact, it is pretty easy. So off we go and we're in pairs and, and she was with me and we're walking along and she sees this guy eating and she looks at him and, And we go, we go past him and she said, that guy back there, that guy's the one. And I said, the one what? And she said, I looked at him and I couldn't get my eyes off his nose. This is not biblical, the nose thing. So I said, well, yeah, that okay, but did anything come to you while you were staring at his nose? And she said, yes, the word divorce. And I said, all right. We need to talk to him. She said, oh, no, 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 we we can't do that. I said, yeah, we we have to. This is how we find out if you heard from the Lord or not. And she said, well, I can't do it. And I said, no, you need to do it. We fought for several minutes and she won. She said, under no circumstances am I going to talk to that guy. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So uh, I asked the Lord, how do I do this? I mean, how do I start with some total stranger? And as I'm walking towards them, this thought comes to me. And I walked up and I said, You know, this sounds really crazy. I said, but there's a girl over there. See that girl over there? I said, she actually thinks that she heard from God for you. I said, prove her wrong. Can I tell you what she says she thinks she heard from God? He goes, yeah. I said, she thinks that you just got a divorce. Tears. He says, yeah, I did. I said, I called the girl, get over here. We're going to finish what you started. So she came over and she told him how she got that word. And, and he was sitting there and I said, listen, would you like us to pray for you? And he said, yeah. I said, well, let's see what the Lord says to you. Let's just wait here and see if he's got anything else that he wants to say. See, that first part, divorce, is what we technically, technically call a word of knowledge. It's not a message. It's a piece of information that indicates to the person and to you that the Holy Spirit is involved in this moment. But it's not the message. It's diagnostic. The treatment, the message, the good part, still hasn't come yet. And yet, this first word, divorce, has opened the door. So I said to him, look, I think God probably wants to say something to you, but I don't know what it is, but would be, you be okay if we just waited for a minute or two? And he said, sure. And as we were waiting, this thought came to me, And I just spoke it out and I said, you believe because of this divorce that you're damaged goods and that you will never be fit to have a relationship with a woman again. And you've judged yourself very harshly. You believe it's entirely your fault and that you have no future. He's just like weeping. His head's down, he's just crying. And he's going, yeah. And I said, this is what the Lord says to you. This is not all your fault. And you are not damaged goods. And you are going to find the right person. And God loves you. And he wants to be a part of your life. And he was so happy. I mean, it was a supernatural change from depression and despair to hope. And during that time, we had at least five or six teams walking around this food court. By the, by the time an hour and a half was up, all of them, Teenagers had prophesied over total strangers with accuracy. I I looked around that food court and I saw them. Clustered with people. Praying for them. Nobody said no. Nobody said no. Everybody said yes. And that rocked these kids' world. And I I got a letter later from the pastor saying, an email from him saying, uh, the youth group is absolutely on fire. It's transformed the whole group. So a couple days later, we're on the way to San Antonio. That pastor and I and, another, and one of his associates, we're on our way to San Antonio to do some meetings, and we stop at a sports bar for lunch. And you've you, you got to understand this. When you move in the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't walk around like some strange holy guy all the time. You stop at sports bars and you have something to eat and you drink a beer and you watch a football game or whatever. You're living your life normally, okay? It's not like, woo, well, I'm always in tune with the Holy Spirit. You're not. You're living your life. We're sitting there having a Coke, waiting for our meals. And Bill, the pastor, said to me, uh, did you get anything for our waitress? And I said, no. And I said, did you? And he said, well, yeah. I just This thought popped into my head as she was serving us that... She has a problem trusting men. And I said, well, let's find out. So when she came back with the food, I said, Lori, her name was Lori. I said, Lori, Bill here thinks he heard from God for you. Something about your life. I said, do you want to know what it is? And she goes, yeah. And he said, well, I think God told me that you have serious problem trusting men. And she said, yeah, I do. And all of a sudden, this Message came to me. Thought pops into my head. I said, "Lori, you're living with a man right now. And he really and I didn't know anything about her. I said, Lori, you're living with a man right now and he really loves your daughter. I didn't know she had a daughter. You got to risk people. You, you just got to risk. So I said, and he really loves your daughter and he really loves you and you think he's the right guy for you, but you just can't trust him. So you're stuck between two worlds wondering what you should do and it's tearing you apart. And she said, yeah, how did you know that? I said, well, God cares about you. He really cares about you. He wants the best for your life. And, and, and I said, but you know, here's the issue with trusting men. I said, there is one man absolutely trustworthy, who will never hurt you in any way, who is the perfect lover of your soul. I said, if you get to know him, you can handle all your trust issues. She said, who are you talking about? I said, Jesus She she brightened up, she went, Jesus? She said, there's this other girl here who works here. She's not here today, but she works here. And she talks about Jesus all the time. She gives me these little books about Jesus. She said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I said, Lori, you need to know Jesus. I said, you start reading those little books. You listen to everything. You listen to everything that she says. She was absolutely thrilled. You see, look, it works like this. The waitress friend is telling her about Jesus, but she doesn't know if he's real. This is the natural. This is the natural process of evangelism. She doesn't know if he's real. Along comes some stranger, tells her what's happening in her life, and says, you need Jesus, and all of a sudden, everything that she's heard and been listening to crystallizes into reality. And now she knows this is really real. Kayla tells a person about the Lord. She comes and we talk. We don't close the deal. We move her a little bit further along in the process of understanding and the process of opening your heart to God. And months go by and she's on campus and someone has the guts To walk up to a stranger and say, Would you like to come to our Bible study? Well, gosh, I guess, all right. And she goes to the Bible study, and the process of her mind opening happens a little bit more. And then for some reason, she says no to going out and partying on Friday night. She'd rather go on the internet, Google the Bible, and start reading it. People, it's only a matter of time now. She's going to become a Christian. We all watered, planted, watered, hoed the the weeds. Someone's going to get the harvest. We don't have to focus on the harvest. Just do the part that God gives you in the moment and you're part of a supernatural process of a new spiritual birth. I mean, isn't it exciting? You don't have to be a closer. You don't have to be... You know, the perfect this or that. You just do the bit that God gave you. It's a
0: process.
5: Hello. I had to go to the doctor. Some of you heard this story, but this one ices the cake for me. This is like now I get it. Several years ago, I had to go for a radiological CAT scan and... um, went over to Kaiser and had it done, and the nurse said, "You look, you need to drink some water right away to get the radioactive dye out of your body. So as I'm leaving, walking across the foyer, I see this young guy, about 20, loading a water machine, a vending machine. And I thought, I'll just get one of his. So, so I walked over and bought one of the waters. It was warm. He said, it's not cold. I said, that's okay, I'll take it. I bought it. And I'm drinking it. I'm walking across the foyer to leave, and this thought in my head says, Go back and tell him about me. And I said, no.
6: <laughs>
5: Just being honest with you, people. Yeah. Just being honest. I didn't want to. I didn't want the hassle and I didn't want the embarrassment, okay? I'm a loser. <laughs> I'm your associate pastor and I'm a loser. <laughs> and that says more about you than it does about me. <laughs> Go figure. figure. So I'm halfway across and the, and, and the little thought says, go back and tell him about me. I said, no. I get to the door. I put my hand on the door. I go to open the door and the, and the thought says, go back and tell him about me. I said, no, I don't want to. And I get outside and I'm walking and I'm just about to step off the curb. And you know it always, the Trinity works in threes, right? So go back and tell him about me. And I just stopped. And this is what I said to him. I said, you know, Every morning I get together with you and I tell you that you own me and I tell you that my life belongs to you and then you ask me to do one inconvenient thing and I'm not willing to do it. I said, you win. I said, but look, it's an awkward conversation. I said, throw me a bone. I, I say that to him a lot. I said, throw me a bone, tell me, tell me how to start this conversation. And he said, the thought, just a thought, doesn't have special effects, it's just a thought. The thought said, well, go back and ask him in the, if in the last 10 days or so, he's been wondering how he can know me. I said, okay, that's easy. So I walked back and I said, excuse me, um, I'm the guy that bought the water. And he's like, uh-huh, it only happened two minutes ago. I said, well, you know, I said, this is a bit strange, but I said, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe that God communicates to me. And I think He asked me to ask you a question. Are you interested in the question? Two people in my life have said no. Everybody says yes because everyone is self centered and they love stuff about themselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. And God asked you to ask me a question? They don't care if God's real or not. They just want to know about the question. So he said, yeah. I said, well, I said, you know, I think God told me to ask you if in the last 10 days or so, you've been wondering how you can know God. And he said, yeah. Yeah. I do. I want to. He said, do you want to know God right now? He says, yeah. I said, okay. I gave him, there is a God. He is good. You are not. This creates a problem. You can't fix yourself. He has to do it. Do you want your mess forgiven and do you want to know God? Yes, 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 yes. I said, okay. I let him in the sinner's prayer and he gets saved. And he's happy and I'm happy. And then I said something. I don't know why I said it. It, it just came into my mind. I said, you know, he wants to know you a lot more than you want to know him. And he. He just kind of jerked and he said, that explains it. And I said, that explains what? And he said, I was at the market 10 days ago and this old man came up to me and he said, young man, God wants to know you. And then he walked away. He said, four days later, I was at the same market and this old lady comes up to me and she said, young man, God says, don't leave your wife. I said, "Are you married?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Were you planning on leaving your wife?" He says, "Yeah, but not now."
6: <laughs>
5: I said, "Well, you need to. You need to get a good Bible and you need to find a good church that talks about Jesus a whole lot." And I blessed him and prayed for him and I go. Now I'm driving home. I'm in my car, but I'm about 4 feet off the ground, okay? Because I am higher than a kite. Because I'm in cahoots with God. And we just closed a deal. And I couldn't be happier. So I'm driving along and I start thinking. Now, here's my point. This is important. I start thinking about the old man and the old lady. And they're obviously Christians. And I imagine them at their connect group. There's the old man at his connect group. And the connect group leader says, Anything interesting with God happened to you this week? And the old man says, Yeah. And the connect group leader says, uh, What? He said, well, I was at the market and, you know, I just got this thought that I was supposed to tell this young guy that God wants to know him. Well, did you? Yes. Then what happened? Nothing. What? You mean you didn't close the deal? No. No. You mean you didn't lead him to the Lord right then and there? Uh, no. Why not? Why I just said what came into my head. (laughs) What a loser. Not much of a Christian. Didn't close the deal. Oh, ladies at her Connect Group meeting. Anything happen this week? Yeah, the strangest sensation like I should tell this young man at the market not to leave his wife. Well, did you? Yes. Well, did you tell them about Jesus? No. Why not? I didn't think of it. I'm a loser. Oh, yeah, you are. You're an old lady and you're a loser.
0: And then I'm thinking.
5: You can't fix this. I'm beyond repair, okay? I know what's wrong with me. I see myself every day. I confess, I confess what a loser I am. But I'm God's loser. I'm God's loser. And that makes it okay. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But this is the thought that crossed my mind. Maybe the kid wasn't ready to give his life to Jesus yet. Maybe there wasn't enough evidence of God in his life. So he has these two encounters which in, them, in and of themselves are almost meaningless. But then some guy comes along that God injected into his life at that moment to ask him a key question. that has been a spiritual awakening was taking place within him. He was starting to ponder God, but he doesn't know if God's really real. And he doesn't know if this suspicion that maybe God wants to know him is actually real. And some guy comes in and cements the deal for him and he gets saved. Water, water, harvest. We just play our part. We just do what God seems to be telling us to do. Are you with me? Came back from Texas, hired Nikite, told everybody here what it was like in a court. Never do that. Never tell the good things God's doing in your life. Because it always leads to more. (laughs) So I bragged up what happened in Texas. Let's do it with our youth group. No, it's the playoffs. It's the NFL playoffs. I can't go to the mall on Saturday. Are you out of your mind? And my wife said, Jesus invented the DVR for people like you. You can tape the game and watch it later. Busted. So, okay, Mike, we'll go to the mall, get the kids ready, and here we go. And off we go to the mall. we involve a bunch of adults too, and we're going to do... Friday night, Saturday, Saturday afternoon, and they can do Sunday. I don't want to anymore. Too many, too many games to watch. <laughs> so I can't tell you all. I can't tell you all the stories that happened at the mall. There's too many, and we're running out of time. But here's the one. Oh man, we were we were having a coke and an old an old church member. Someone had had not been in church came and she was sitting there and. Uh, we, she said, what are you doing? I said, we're praying for people in the mall. And she said, how's it going? And I started telling some stories and there was these two women. You know how those tables are like right beside each other? Like right there? These two women right there listening to me telling these stories of what God's doing with with prophetic words and strangers. And they keep looking. Finally, I turned and I said, would you like us to pray over you? And they said, yeah. And I said, Okay. Uh, what's going on? And the woman right here, her friend said she just got evicted. It's 10 days before Christmas. And she just she just got evicted and she's she lost her job and she's got nowhere to live. And she's really depressed. And I said, OK, we'll pray for you. So I said, our, our habit is not just to pray our prayers. We'd like to pray, pray what Jesus is praying for you right now. Because he's got prayers for you. So let's just wait a minute. And I waited and began to tell her what had been going on in her life and how she'd been hurt over and over and over and over by men and abused by men. And I said, but the interesting thing God's showing me is there's no bitterness in your heart, which is very unusual. There's no bitterness in your heart for all the damage that you've experienced. And she's she's just absolutely weeping, just weeping. And um, she's going, yeah, yeah. And I, I said, it was a similar message to what Lori got in Texas. I said, You know, God wants to be your man until He's healed you and you're able to enter into a relationship successfully and not pick guys that are going to hurt you. And she's just weeping. And then her friend says, Do it to me. I said, Okay. So I waited. I said, Here's what's happening you're having trouble with your boss. This is what's going on at work, blah, 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 blah. She's going, yeah, like this. And we prayed for her. They're both absolutely undone and weeping through the whole thing. Finally, when we're done, and I'm, this, this is one of the most precious moments of my life. She turns to me and she says, are you people angels? And I said, yes, today we are. Because we're delivering Good news for people. One more. The next day, one of the women in the church, who shall go unnamed, comes to me and says, my husband doesn't believe in all this hyper-spiritual stuff. I think it would be very good for him if he went with you to the mall Like, like, I need a chasm of unbelief beside me when I attempt to do this, right? Like, I need some science guy going, oh, I really don't think so. So, of course, I said, yes. What a great idea. So, Oski and I go to man the prayer booth. What a stupid idea. Free prayer, big sign. Free prayer, you know. We're, we put our we put our table, our little card table, right in the middle of the mall. So they, got, they are going to see us whether they like it or not. They can go left or they can go right, but they see us watching them in the name of the Lord. <laughs> and that's got to that's accomplish something. 0. 0.0. No free prayer takers. People would look at us like, cross themselves and... <laughs> Don't touch me with your spiritual forces of whatever, you know. (laughs) So it was getting pretty boring. So I'm watching this couple, and they're coming down the center aisle. They're about 40, 45. And uh, he sees me, and I see him. I'm like, you're not getting by us. (laughs) You're going to have to turn around and walk backwards, because you're not getting by our booth. So he's coming at us. And I can see he looks at the free prayer sign and she looks at the free prayer sign and then they kind of look at each other a little bit. And then he looks at me again and I said, Hey, you. There wasn't anyone else. It's him. He goes, What? I said, What have you got to lose? I said, Seriously, what have you got to lose? You got a couple of nice people here who want to pray for you and maybe you got something going on in your life that you'd like to pray for. What have you got to lose? And he goes, Oh, Okay. So they sit down, and I said, What's going on in your life? And he said, Well, we got a dream house. We found our dream house, and we, we really want this house more than anything, but we can't sell our house. And if we don't sell our house soon, then we can't have our dream house. And I said, Well, man, this is, we can pray about that. I said, But you know, we don't just pray like just for that, we wait on the Lord to see what he would have is pray for you. So do you mind if we take a minute just to be still? He goes, okay, go ahead. So we get still and I close my eyes. What do, what do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to pray for? And the thought says, this is his second wife and his first wife is cursing him and badmouthing him and he's lost hope in his ability to be a good husband to this new wife. So I said, this is what the Lord wants me to pray for you. I said, your ex-wife has been slandering you. She's slandered you at church with your Christian friends. And I didn't know if he was a Christian or not. But that's what was coming. So take the risk, right? So I said, so he's been slandering you. She's been slandering you. And you've, you've really begun to doubt your ability to be a good husband in fact you're afraid that you can't be a good husband to this woman right here and it's affecting your marriage and it's affecting your self-worth and your concept of who you are as a man and he is crying at this point and she is going she goes that's him and she goes she's horrible she's done all these mean things to us and, and I said okay well let's just pray about this I said alright let me wait on the Lord. And the Lord says, said to him, you're, you're, you're not a bad man. And it was unfair what she's done to you. And this woman is now your responsibility to love. And you can do it. And it's going to be okay. And I mean, we just encouraged the heck out of this guy. He's just undone. She's undone. And we finish. And he said, there's something you need to know. And I said, what is it? And he said, We live in Chula Vista. He said, we've never been to this mall before. It was North County Fair Mall off of the Arancho Parkway. They drove 35 miles to get to this mall. He said, we've never been to this mall before. We decided to go Christmas shopping. He said, we didn't know where to go. And we got this idea we should go to North County Fair Mall. He said, we didn't know why we were here. He said, it made no sense, but we just felt like... We are supposed to come to this mall. He said, now I know why we came to this mall. Ephesians says there's divine appointments ordained for us in advance before we were born. Divine appointments. Places to be. Angels. You, you don't. I'm not saying that technically. Don't. Put this out on the internet. We get to do the work of angels. We get to bring good news from God to human beings. We get to make a difference. We get to be God's hands and feet. We get to be His mouth. We get to be His heart. And the only thing that stands in the way is risk. You've just got to take a shot. And you're not always right. I have told you all the stories when I was right. I haven't told you any of the ones where I'm wrong. But there's a number that when I was wrong, and you know what? I learned from every single one of them. Are you with me? Okay. So look. Let's have a little activation time. Shall we stir up the Spirit? Kirsten, you got a good word a few weeks ago about this moment. And I want you to help. And John, Hope, and... And uh, Les and Donette, and and anybody that moves in prophetic ministry, I want you to come and stand at the front now and face the people. Okay, so can I do this real quick? Um, Oh, no, we're fine. Go ahead. Okay, everybody that moves in prophetic ministry from time to time, come and stand at the front and face the people. Face the people. Like, face the music. <laughs> One time. Do it. Okay, folks, here's the deal. If you say yes to this, what you're saying yes to is risk. Okay? I'm about to ask you a question. If, you, if the answer to this is yes, you are agreeing to take risks. So there's no trickery here. We want this real plain, what we're doing. Real, real honest. If you come for this, you are by stepping up and coming for this, you are agreeing before God to take risks. And he will bring them into your life and you will have a chance to risk. So think about this before you make a decision. But the invitation is to come forward and have our people lay hands on you and just bless you with the Not the impartation, because you already have the prophetic gifting within you. Everyone can hear God's thoughts. Everyone. My sheep hear my voice. Paul said, I wish that you would all eagerly desire prophecy above all the other gifts. And we know why, because there's nothing like hearing from God when you need it. So everybody can do this. Some will do it better than others, but everyone can do it. If you want to grow in this gift and you are willing to take risks, come forward now and we're going to lay hands on you.
0: Okay, let me say this real quick. Um, so yesterday I'm driving with my 13-year-old daughter and her friend's in the car. And her friend says to me, hey, tell me one of those exorcism stories again. You know, Because <laughs> when they drive with me, sometimes they just get stories. And uh, so... I said, you're interested in this stuff, aren't you? And I'm looking in the rearview mirror. She was like, yeah. And uh, so I started talking to her about people that have, you know, exposed themselves to demonic forces and stuff and, you know, sorcery and, and uh, astrology and witchcraft and Ouija boards. And she says, you mean you do those? If you do those things, you open yourselves up to spirits. She goes, I, I really want to go to a fortune teller. I said, well, you can go to a Christian too. And, you know, you got the, the source from darkness and the source from light. The problem is, and the reason we do this Is because most Christians in the Western Hemisphere had not been raised, being trained in kingdom, supernatural power, gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the devil gets them all. He gets that reputation. And then when the church talks about it, it's like, ooh, you guys are weird. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? That it's not weird for fortune tellers and soothsayers and Ouija boards and... uh, That's not mediums. That's not weird. That's normal. But when the church talks about the supernatural, ooh, you guys are weird. We got to win this back. Amen. We got to take back our identity. And so I, I want her. This girl is not saved. To when she hears the Christians, she also couples it with hearing from God, supernatural, being able to tell her future. It's a, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Knowing about my future. But you don't think about going to a Christian to find out about your future. You go to the fortune tellers who work on the dark side. We need to change our reputation. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, so I just realized something. You need
5: to buy this book. See? Shameless self-promotion is the American way. I'm a Canadian who's learned well from you people. You need to buy the book. This book is a training track for hearing God's voice. That's what it was written for and it's very good at that. And I've got copies for you after if you want them. Um, Guys, it's very good. (laughs) They tell me. Uh, If you want this gift stirred up in your life and you're prepared to take some risks with this, come forward now so we can lay hands on you. And don't feel bad if you don't. It's always God's timing and it's God's way. But if He's prompting your spirit... to to take a step forward in this, then you should definitely come forward. So come on and we'll pray for you.
0: Otherwise, God bless you. See you at a connect group. See you next Sunday. So you can come down this way. You can go out that way. Visitors, please grab a visitor card or a visitor packet um, or come down so we can meet you. And uh, we love you. God bless.